Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. As a parent, uh, especially of like me now, I, I grew up in a world of drugs, so I understand a lot yeah. more than most parents do. I would educate myself. And then don't, you, you can't just tell a kid, don't do drugs, don't do this, don't. You got to talk to them. Yeah. Talk to them. And really, I've talked to many school kids. Have somebody like me come and talk. Dennis Otto returns to Life Support to tell more of his story of how God redeemed his drug addiction and his prison sentence. Dennis now mentors men and has a word today for the church. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Glad to have you on Life Support. We talk about stories and we talk about people and we talk about how God intervenes and is really the star of every story that we tell here. And I have a very special guest with us. His name is Dennis Otto. He is the director and founder of All In Ministries. He's written a book called That Man Is Dead. And Dennis, thanks a lot for being here. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Pastor Paul. It's a pleasure. So we talked a little bit last time um, on the cover of your book. You had your actual arrest. You call it an arrest sheet. Yep. And uh, there's a mugshot. You look very disturbed in this mugshot. Um, but then the crimes are all listed, and you ended up doing some some real time here, right? Yes, I was sentenced to 110 months for first-degree manufacturing, first-degree distribution, and a felon in possession of firearms. And even when you got out of prison, you still didn't know Christ. No, it was almost four years later when I was introduced to Christ. Wow. And it was a man who um, was uh, a... A soon, you know, a family member or some the the brother of the of your girlfriend who thought I'm going to pursue this man, right? Yes, yes, he was. I I'm so thankful for his boldness. Yeah, so many times in churches, you know, we talk about the word evangelism, and and sometimes I feel like people think that's just when you show up on a Saturday morning, you have donuts, and then you you go to the mall or you put you know door knockers on people's homes or something, but that was real lifestyle evangelism. He had a man sitting across the table from him. He he said he was kind of eyeing you, like yes. <laughs> kind of giving you the eye, right? Yep. And then he didn't pound you with the Bible, though, did he? He just started asking questions. Yes. His first question is, Dennis, where are you at spiritually? And when I answered him and stuff, he, he like you said, he never preached. He just kept asking me questions. And he's the one that opened the door for you. Yes, Yes. And, and so at that moment, did you feel like you were savable, if that's even a word? I mean, did you, when you, start to under, when you started to understand the gospel, did you think that it would be appropriated for you, or did you think I'd done too much to... I didn't think there was a chance that I could mm-hmm. be saved. I, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe that God would actually care about me. And so what got you to believe that? Or how did you come to that conclusion? Well, after I, after I gave my life to Christ, right away, I felt this, you know, all my life I've had this hole that I was trying to fill with drugs, alcohol, women, violence, and all that stuff. That hole was full for the first time, and I felt different immediately. I felt that hole was full, and I felt the love of Jesus immediately. 
Yeah, we talk so much about that hole in our heart. You know, when we're talking, we're talking to kids about the gospel, and we sometimes use the donut illustration. You know, there's that hole there that needs to be filled, but you legitimately felt that right away, huh? Right away, I, and I mm. felt different. It was, it was kind of funny because the next morning I called up Matt, my brother, or Patty's brother-in-law. He's now my brother-in-law also. And I, he answered the phone, and I said, I did it. And his first question was, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was thrilled when you told him. Yes, he was. He took, picked me right up, bought me my first Bible, and four days later he had me sitting at the celebration dinner of Alpha at church. <laughs> oh, fantastic. What a great place. Alpha yes. is a wonderful ministry. All right, so now you're mentoring men who are um, coming out of prison, and uh, you just recently got some health news, right? Yes, I, I've got prostate cancer. Okay. Uh, I will see an oncologist tomorrow when we're going to go over a game plan. Okay, and how, and how is that striking you, and how are you processing that? You know, I choose joy. I, I choose no matter if I've got one day or 20 years, and really, Pastor, we, n- none of us know how long we've no. got, not a soul. So, no. I mean, it's just something to, I really believe this is going to give glory to God, and I want to live whatever time I've got to give glory to God. Yeah, good for you. you know, you've only been a believer for, what, 12 years? 12 years. And that doesn't sound like the former guy talking at all. God's really done a work in your heart, hasn't he? I mean, you don't even look like the mugshot guy. He looks young. Um, But God obviously has done an amazing work in your life. Yes, God has been very good to me. He's been good to my family. Yeah. When, When did you really begin to feel that work being done? I mean, I know you felt the presence of Christ in you, but when did you see the evidence of that Worked out uh, in your behavior, and what kinds of things began to change that you started to notice? I, I started to change immediately. I, I think God knew that, you know, at my age, I didn't give my life to Christ till I was 52. I'm a pastor through the Assemblies of God already. I've run a ministry. God just started, it was like a roller coaster ride, and that's what it's been like for the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. And what really got me into God's word more and deeper is in 2014, I had an aortic dissection. My aorta split going into my heart. I had a 14 hour surgery, five days in a coma. It's just something my surgeon said, nobody survives. Mm -hmm. And during that time is when I really got into the word. And during that time is where I felt the prompting to get my pastor credentials. I had no idea why, but I just felt it was God prompting me. And now I see why. Yeah, you're helping a lot of guys. And, you know, before you were a believer, you talked a lot about it. I was trying to get myself together. I was trying to get myself in a, in a better situation. And the thing I noticed immediately is you were actually doing things to do that. I mean, you were moving. You were trying to get into better situations with your family. But it just kept going south every time. But now you're saying things like, well, God's doing this, and, and God's doing that, yes. right? And that's a big learning curve right there. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I, I, bottom line, I'm still a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you yeah. see is because of God. Yeah. Well, I ran my life for the first 40-some years that put me in prison for 110 months. Yeah. This is what God has done. Yeah. Um, without mentioning names, of course, tell me, tell me about some of the guys that you're working with or, or have worked with. What kind of challenges are they facing 
well, nowadays, I, I just think the world is so much harder. I've seen more relapses in the last two years than I've ever seen before. Hmm. I mean, I've got a gentleman that's 28 years old. He's been brought back to life eight times. He's 28. He's been through 30 treatment centers. Wow. It's just the drugs nowadays are so much different. The fentanyl, the heroin, it, it's it's just just, a mess just much more dangerous. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. You don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know the drugs are different. I mean, drugs are drugs, but they're a lot different today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have two fifteen-year-old uh, boys, twins, and um, the things you just said uh, scare every parent. Right. Because I know there are kids at school that are offering and I know that it looks harmless. Um, what advice would you give a parent to help your kids understand that it's not a safe place to go? It's not a healthy choice, um, because sometimes I think we feel helpless and without tools to know how to intervene with our kids in that area. As a as a parent, uh, Especially if, like me now, I, I grew up in a world of drugs, so I understand a lot yeah. more than most parents do. I would educate myself. And then don't, you, you can't just tell a kid, don't do drugs, don't do this, don't. You got to talk to them. Yeah. Talk to them. And really, I've talked to many school kids. Have somebody like me come and talk. More from Pastor Paul and Dennis Otto in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-presenter of this program. It's stories like this that led us to write a devotional called God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. If you're interested in a copy as a gift for a loved one, you can find out more at the Five Stone Media Facebook page. Just spell out Five Stone Media on Facebook. And now, back to Pastor Paul. It's And what do you tell the kids? I tell them my story and mm-hmm. what drugs will do to you. So and you have to tell them the why of not doing it. Yes. Right? What it'll do to you. If, you, if, you, if you're going to go down that road, yes. expect this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I mean, it's not a scared, uh, straight program. But are you ready <laughs> to do time? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you're looking at. Yeah, and relationships that would fracture and, and all those kinds of things. Yes. Um, you mentioned that, you know, not only are the drugs a problem, but this time we're living in is a problem. Did you see COVID and all of the isolation and all those kinds of things really take a toll? Yes. On some of these guys? Yes. And a lot of things shut down. You know, different, I've seen different ministries where they just quit because of the COVID. That's one thing I never did is, yes, I couldn't go into the jails no more, but then I started doing more different programs at different churches and stuff. Good. Uh, I never slowed down. You know, that's good. Um, We have, uh, you know, different groups that meet here, and, um, you know, we couldn't have them inside for a little while because um, we wanted just to obey our leaders and, you know, be good examples. But, you know, we set them up underneath canopies, and, you know, we— they were circled up around, you know, the parking lot, and and because you can't stop, right? You can't just stop. Uh, these guys are kind of living on the edge, are they not? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They they need men, need men, women need women. 
in their lives when they're going through struggles. We all do. I need men. I surround myself with good men. I always tell people the opposite of addiction is connections. Because when you start to do drugs, the first thing you start to do is disconnect. Mm. Disconnect from your family, your loved ones. Soon you, you disconnect from anybody and everybody that's ever loved you. And then if you're like me and get sent to prison, now you're just disconnected from society. So the more good connections you can make, the better your chances of staying sober are. And for a lot of guys, I'm that first connection. Yeah, and I think that's a principle, just generally speaking, for the Christian life. And I think that men are not very good at seeking out relationship, and men are not good at actually investing in relationships. I think guys are just different. You know, we we, we tend to be introverted a little bit more. We, we have casual relationships. Um, and so what you're saying is, man, mentorship is a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've been asked before why I keep, in fact, it was my mom. She doesn't quite understand my ministry. Uh, you know, why do you keep going back to these places and, you know, hanging around these felons and stuff? And at one of my fundraisers a year ago, Pastor Christy, my pastor, she was she was up front talking. And she goes, the reason Dennis does what he does, and there's other guys like me, is because they know the way out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and really, Pastor Paul, what what kind of person would that make me? I know the way out. I've got the key, which is the Bible, and I don't use it. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't make me a very good person. Right. But you also know the way out because you've been there. That's right. And so no, you, know, you know how to apply the Bible because you understand the steps that need to be taken in order to escape. And if, if, if somebody comes along, you know, that's just— uh, you know, kind of a say a non-victim or somebody's never been through that. They have no credibility because yes. you know, you throw no. scripture at somebody and you go like, well, okay, but what do you know about this? But yes. you know a lot about it. Yeah, they can't tell me I don't know what they're going through. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You know, yeah, it's kind of like um, you know those of us who are in the we've lost children club. You know, the moment another family finds out that you've been through there, man, all of a sudden. You've got a, a sense of credibility that no one else has, and yes. I think that's probably the same thing for you as you're mentoring these guys. Um, w- how can the Christian community do a better job of helping this community of ex-convicts, of um, people who are trying to stay clean from drugs? You know, we were talking a little bit before um, off mic about how so many churches kind of like they feel great about these programs that are happening in their church, but there's no real relationship developed between the programs and the church. How can we help? First off, I would say just if you see somebody that's by themselves in church, talk to them and ask them what's up with them. Ask, you know, tell, tell me a little bit about yourself. What brought you here? There, these people, guys are just, they're looking for, for a connection they're looking for that closeness that friend and then if you're if you're a business owner try to look at the person and not the the background checks and i know everybody does background checks which is we need them but just because they have that title of felon behind their name doesn't mean they're a bad person Mm -hmm. i still have that title behind my name so how would a business owner be able to discern um so he's nervous now, okay? He's got the felon there. 
How would he discern whether this person was trustworthy enough to hire? Are there are there references he can check within their friendship groups? Are there um, what kind of investigation or, or how can he become settled that this is going to be good for me and my business? Well, one of the things that I do with the guys I work with is I tell them use my name, tell them to call me. Okay, and so then you know, so you become a, a background reference. check. Yep, of a sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, and ask them good questions. You know, if you're a business owner, you got to that position by knowing a thing or two. Ask them good questions. Mm-hmm. And then you were talking to me before about the housing issue, which I don't think a lot of people really understand. Uh, tell me about that and why that's so difficult. Well, just about any rental property nowadays, unless it's a private person, does a background check. And if you have that title felon, they're not going to rent to you. And it's really sad that these people are doing everything they're supposed to. They've taken the right steps, but they're stuck because they have no place to live. Mm -hmm. How can the church be more, um, you talked about individuals, you know, finding people within the church and talking to them. How can a congregation make itself more welcoming, more available? Are there things that happen within a church service that sometimes are barriers? Are there... Is it the structure of church that sometimes can be barriers? Um, what can we do to just send off a more welcoming message? Does that make any sense? Uh, yes, you know, and I hear what you're saying. It, it's when you preach, preach it the love. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter. Let people know. And every mm-hmm. church has got people in it like me. Mm-hmm. Use us. Mm-hmm. Use them. Tell stories. Tell stories. Yeah, and and, and the and that sends the message that you know, all of us are in this together, and you're safe here, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you feel uh, at times, uh, or have you felt um, you found a good church now and, and 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 all that? But have you felt at times like you were isolated from the Christian community because of how people might view you or? How no, I think of you. No, actually, I've I've never had that experience in church. I maybe was lucky that I just started mm-hmm. going to a good church right away. Yeah, that welcomed me. Uh, actually, I get more of that from some of my relatives. <laughs> yeah, that still won't yeah. talk to me. Yeah. So, what is that like? I mean, is that a discouraging thing for you, or do you just kind of like pray about it and shrug it off? Or I pray for them. Pray for them. Yeah. Because you know what, you're they're missing out. I I know who I am in Christ. Yeah. I, well, you're from Hastings. Yeah, I'm from Hastings. So what could, what else could be wrong? <laughs> yes. What caused you to want to write the book? That man is dead. I didn't want to write it because I was scared of the pride factor and everything. Brian Scott was the gentleman that helped me write it. He also helped write my friend's book, and so he started pursuing me. Finally, my pastor Christy, she sat me down and. She said, write the book. Mm-hmm. And I tell people there's only two humans I'm scared of, my wife and Pastor Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can all share experiences like that. Uh, what, what do you talk about in the book? I give glory to God. There's no mm-hmm. war stories. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I wanted to, the writer, Brian Scott, I made sure that he understood that this book has got to show that we're given the glory to God, not ourselves. Mm-hmm. No war stories. It t- talks about what God has done in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's not grim and gory. It's more like, here I am now. That's where I was. That's no longer existing anymore. Yes, I had to talk a little bit about my back. Yeah. They, they have to understand where well, I came from. Well, you got it right on the cover. Yes. <laughs> yes. You can't miss that. Yes. Um, do you ever worry about going back? 
No. No. Is that right? Huh? So you're just a different... Yeah. Is like a heart transplant? I've been completely transplanted, wow. transformed. That's a pretty amazing testimony. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I find that really hopeful. Um, as you look at the world around you right now, what's the biggest danger for, um, for, for people that don't yet use drugs? Um, how... How, let's let's talk about kids because we just talked about you know fifteen year olds so that was kind of your entry point when you were that age. Um, what are the danger signs for a parent, and how are these drug dealers getting access to kids? It's really through their friends. So a friend just walks up and says, "Hey, you should try this. Yep, it, come with me." It's it's really who we walk with, who are who the who are who our kids are walk walking yep. with and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen where the St. Croix and the Mississippi come together, yep. how nice and clean the St. Croix looks and how muddy the Mississippi looks. Yeah. You go down 100 yards and it's all muddy. Yeah. That's the same with our friends. Yeah. So the first thing is talk to them about their friends groups. Absolutely. Um, and, and what if a friend is... All, offering them drugs how do you know if your kid is starting to i mean you said you even saw red flags in your own life yes the communication just keep talking to them yes my parents were real old school they never they knew nothing about drugs they never even talked about drugs you know everything i learned was from trial and error how can i get educated on drugs as a parent are there are there places i can go to learn more about drugs and what's what's out there effects would um a local police department with a local, um, are there, I mean, where do you learn about that kind of thing? There's a lot of books. A lot of books. There, there are, but. You can just Google it and, yeah. and, and read blogs and, and things like that from experts. But and, also look up people like me. I work with the families as much as I work with the men because the families don't understand. And so they'll call me and I mm-hmm. tell them, you're free to call me. So I really, I talk with the families as much as I do the men. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to just a moment uh, tell everyone how to get in, in touch with you, because that's that's a really good idea. I was uh, watching my son play baseball last night, one of my twins. And I looked around at these guys he's playing with now, and they've been playing together probably five years now as they kind of move up. And and I just thought how thankful I was that, you know, I don't know how many of these kids are believers or not, but they're good. Like they're good kids. They're they're nice kids, you know. They're 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 not out there making a ruckus. And I thought how fortunate I was that he those are his friends. These are the guys that he's gotten to know in that kind of an atmosphere. And I praise God for that. Yes, it's really healthy. Um, so how how do I find out more about All In Ministries? Uh, I've got a website www did I, there's enough W's <laughs> three W's dot, dot All In Ministries dot org. Okay. And then you can get a hold of the book there, too? Amazon. Yes, there's a link on the website. Otherwise, Amazon, uh, Barnes Noble. Okay. That Man is Dead. That's a great title, by the way. Well, That Man I is Dead. I really like that. that and and when I hear you talk, it's not just uh, it's not like a metaphor. Like, you have absolutely changed. Thank you. It's really been fun to talk with you. Thanks for uh, being so vulnerable and sharing. And uh, I've learned a lot. I think if we were out to coffee, I'd probably have about 1,000 more questions. I'd probably wear you out. <laughs> Because, you know, these are, these are uh, deep concerns for parents and families. Absolutely. I mean, the danger is so prevalent. And then with the, you throw in all the mental illness and all of this COVID stuff, and it's just a frightening, frightening world. So thanks for doing what you're doing. I know that God's using you in a great way. Thank you. 
So listen, you're listening right now and you're thinking, yeah, I'm kind of scared of this. Or maybe you're thinking I've already tried and I'm already too far down the road and I don't know how to get out of this. Just remember one thing. God is the most powerful person in the universe. There is nothing that God cannot do. All things are possible with God. And so maybe you need to get clean. Maybe you need to stop a behavior that you're doing. God has the power to do that. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. We talked about that. God can help you live with yourself. Maybe you need to forgive somebody else. God can help you do that. The point is, God is powerful, loving, kind, gracious, but you do have to take steps. And so call someone like Dennis. Uh, Call your local church and say, do you have any groups that you can point me to? Um, Just become proactive and don't give up and allow God to do that in you. And if you have a family member that's struggling and they're not being receptive to you, you know, I think that weapon that we have that we don't talk enough about is prayer. Um, Make it a matter of prayer. Begin to plead with God and you may see some miracles happen that you're not expecting. And that's what we want to talk about on this program because you know, we've lived this, and we've seen Christ intervene, and we know he's real. And so um, we want to thank MyFaithRadio.com because this is what they major in, and they've helped us out a lot. I want you to uh, check out the video portion of this podcast on FiveStoneMedia.com, and you can check us out right here at Ridgewood Church as well. We're, we seek to be a congregation and a church that um, is a hospital. You can come here, hopefully be safe, and get well at MyRWC.org. So thanks again. I'm glad you listened to Life Support. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-presenter of this program. It's stories like this that led us to write a devotional called God is Always With You, 31 Days of Hope and Healing for Grief and Loss. If you're interested in a copy as a gift for a loved one, you can find out more at the Five Stone Media Facebook page. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support.